The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
button down here that mutes that speaker or the the speaker podium. Turn that off and try it. Okay. False transmission of buttons. So maybe when this is on, Pete, that's the only mic that's live. And when this is off, maybe our mics are live. We'll see if he comes back and says anything. I'm speculating. This is something new, so that makes sense. Just one, one button. Is yeah. it because, like, are we not allowed to have our mics on concurrently? No, 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 no. That, that is fine to have mics on okay. concurrently. For some reason, none of the sound. We're good. Very good. All right. Okay. All right. okay. That must have been it. That's that was cool. it. Okay. Excellent. Right. So go ahead, Remy. So what I was saying is that I was really proud of the way that we conducted ourselves in our in our last meeting, and specifically because you know we had the we had public safety come up, and we had such a large constituent turnout, and the way that public safety interfaced with the the constituency. Um, even after the meeting um, and the fact that we voted against public safety, I think that in a climate where people were calling to defund the police, um, when we don't have those types of things, those interfaces with public safety, with city government, with, with municipal government, um, it's a travesty. And I think that these are the types of things that we should be leveraging because we say that we're a community that prioritizes shared prosperity and equity. Those are the types of things that we can use to be able to move forward um, what we say we represent and stand for as a community. And I need that to be reflected in the minutes next time then. I guess my only response to that is, you know, this this was a, 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 this was a special meeting that was scheduled, and there was an error in getting information to the uh, outside organization that does the broadcasting of these meetings. All other ZBA meetings throughout this year, 2022, have been live streamed unless there's been, you know, technical glitches with the sound for part of the meeting, but they have all been live streamed. So this was the only example. And I think that you're right, and I think that's absolutely reasonable, and I recognize that, and I think you're right. Um, that particular meeting was really important to me, though, I'll say that, um, just because of the nature of the meeting. And, um, you know, we can't continue to put things on the periphery that I prioritize, because that's something that, I mean, I think we prioritize, not just me, but I think that the community prioritizes. It was a mistake, you know, nobody should be beat up for that, but I just want to say that. Good, thank you. Okay. Uh, circling back, uh, is there a motion to approve last month's minutes? So moved. And is there a second? I'll second. Uh, all in favor of approval of last month's minutes, signify by saying aye. 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 And opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Uh, I will now explain our procedure for tonight's public hearing. For each request, the secretary will read the application in the public record. The applicant or representative will then have 10 minutes to provide their comments. Following that, the public is invited to step up to the podium, starting with those in favor of the application. Uh, people that step up to the podium, clearly state your name and address and present your comments. You'll have a three minutes to do so. Following those comments, all those who wish to Following the comments of those who wish to speak in favor, we will invite those who wish to speak in opposition or otherwise comment to do the same. 
after that, any call-in comments will be aired for the board and audience. After this, we will close the public hearing on the request. Once the public hearing is closed, the board will then conduct what is called a finding of fact, where the board states what they feel are the facts of the request. The board must approve the finding of fact. Therefore, the first vote you hear is not a ruling on the request, but on the finding of fact. Uh, after that, the board discusses the request in order to determine a ruling. The board reserves the privilege to ask uh, questions of people who have already spoken, even though the public comment portion has been, had been closed. Uh, once discussion is ended, the board will move on to a roll call vote. A full board consists of six members and four votes are required to grant a non-use or a use variance. Um, Christina, are you good to read the case into the record? Yeah. All right. Uh, Secretary Christina will now read the first application into the record. An application for a variance for provisions of the zoning ordinance has been filed with the Zoning Board of Appeals by Jacquard Hill of West Main Hill LLC for 100 Monroe Street in Residential Single Dwelling District RS5. <coughs> the applicant is requesting a use variance from Chapter 4, Section 4.1 to authorize a small winemaking operation on the residentially zoned premises which will utilize the existing carriage house and wine cave. Please note this request will not change the zoning classification of the property. This is a request for variance only regarding the item described above. All right, thank you. Uh, will the applicant please step up? Good. Your mic's not on. All right, I, I, I've got to turn this on, but this might stop them from. So, so what, yeah, so how we should handle this is you're going to push the button, activate, which will activate that mic, and then when we go back to. I'll push does, this does, again. Yeah, does the board have any questions, then you want to push it again. All right. Yep. Okay. You're good. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Drukar Hill, and I'm here to represent West Main Hill. So uh, pretty much, Christina, you've said a lot of it with the location, 100 Monroe Street. If you guys are familiar with the Henderson Castle, that'll be where the, uh, where the winery, small winery will be located on the property. And uh, that includes 10 parking spots, uh, half of a cottage, which is cottage A, and also the wine cave. And just to give a brief and detailed description of the project, uh, West Main Hill is a small winery and it will be used for small productions and also educational purposes. There will be processing, wine tasting, and it also will be a tour destination. Inside the wine cave, as far as the capacity, inside the wine cave will be able to hold between eight to 10 people. And there's also a patio area outside of the wine cave that's also fenced and gated off. That can hold between uh, up to uh, 25 people. So that's the measures for capacity as far as the, uh, the winery and things that we plan on doing at the winery. To give a uh, description, um, the press process starts by bringing in 160 liters to 225 liter barrels of unfinished wine from Finn Valley. It will be then finished at the premise of the castle, or I'm sorry, of the, the wine cave and also the cottage. So the cottage is gonna be the main uh, place where we'll bring in the barrels, we'll process and uh, rectify the wine, adding in essential oils and all the other ingredients to uh, the unfinished wine. 
In the wine cave, that'll be used mostly for wine tastings and uh, some demonstration of the processing. So again, inside the cottage A, that's where you'll have the bottling, labeling, corking, boxing, and also finishing of the wine. Um, from there, sorry. I, oh, I do want to add that there will be no changes in alcohol percentages or any alcohol content. I'm not sure if that's, that's something you guys want to know, but uh, the information is there. There at the, uh, on the premise, I'll just be enhancing the flavors. And far as the timeline, weekends are for the educational services, and also weekdays will be used for delivery to local establishments. And um, yeah, I'm open for any questions or concerns. And also, I'm sorry, and also have uh, with me today Francois Moyer, who is the uh, landlord of the premise as well, of the property. Uh, so, Mr. Hill, as I understand it, many of the things that you intend to do, you're already doing under your current business model and variance. Is the main difference that you'll be sort of bringing in wine and finishing it in Cottage A? wine tastings, um, they do not actually process any wine at the castle. Uh, so pretty much, I'll, again, I'll just be bringing in you know, small barrels of unfinished wine, and like you said, finishing it, uh, the unfinished wine inside Cottage A. Okay. Yes, sir. So currently, you do everything that you will do except the finishing portion? Well, um, I, at the castle, they do wine tasting. I, I don't currently work at the castle oh, okay. anymore. But yeah, they, I will be taking away wine tasting from them to take on that, uh, I guess, that clientele at West Main Hill. And again, just like you said, then we'll just be finishing doing the winery process uh, inside the cottage. Okay. Um, can you describe the location of where Cottage A is in relation to the castle and the cave? Cottage A is located, I believe, about 50 feet away from the, away from the castle. Um, it is uh, closer to the Prospect Avenue, where I have my, uh, my neighbors are located. Hello, guys. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, the cottage is closer to there. The wine cave is about, um, I, I don't want to lie to you guys, probably, I want to say, 100 plus feet away from the, uh, the castle and also the Prospect Drive or Avenue. Prospect Street, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, so the cottage sits more so on top of the hill, and the, the uh, wine cave is more so slanted downwards towards right. uh, the driveway. All right. And, wait, do I, I think I need this on green to talk. Hello. Okay, wait a second. I need it on red for me to be broadcast. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Two, two colors, and somehow I'm having a hard time. Um, so to what extent will, you know, your intended use increase, like, sort of the volume of customers that come on, the volume of uh, parking, and uh, can you also sort of address, like, what increase to noise levels and other things that neighbors might be concerned about. Absolutely. Uh, again, as I, I stated before, I used to work at the Henderson Castle. 
Um, I mean, I did everything from managing to, to housekeeping, whatever needed to be done, that was uh, my job. So with that being said, I do hear, you know, the complaints of the uh, neighbors when, you know, there's a, a wedding outside, you got the reception going on, and there's, you know, a ton of people, music playing. I totally get the noise uh, complaints. I, I, um, not so much with the traffic, because it's a secluded area, it's up a hill, it's not, you know, it's not uh, very often where they're using on the street parking. But uh, to answer your question, the only, there, there will be no um, increase in volume of traffic because I'll just be taking the clientele of wine, wine tastings that the castle already does. Uh, I mean, I guess if, if, uh, if I do my marketing job correctly, there could be more traffic, you know, um, fingers crossed. But uh, there will be no increase in uh, noise and or traffic. Uh, when it comes to the noise, that's what I also wanted to explain to our neighbors, that um, inside the cottage, it's mostly manual processing labor. There's no auto mechanic uh, machinery. There's no drills. It's, it's everything gets hand pressed. Everything will be done you know, by, by my hands and also the other employees, which there are no other employees but myself. <laughs> Uh, but again, it's everything is manual. There's no waste. There's no pollution. There's no, um, yeah. There's no uh, again. No, no. There's no any noise in the cottage area, which is located close to the property. The potential of noise would be towards the the, the wine cave, and that's where we'll condone wine tastings. And again, that will be inside the wine cave, and we'll have patio areas for people to also enjoy. But but again. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever been to a wine, I'm pretty sure you guys have been to a wine tasting. It gets fun, but it's never rowdy. It's never a party. There's, there will be no music. There will be nothing uh, hectic with the wine cave. And that's where the only time the neighbors would be made aware and potential would be, you know, having guests at the wine cave. But again, um, the capacity inside the wine cave is 8 to 10. The patio is 25. Uh, we're just starting off very small production and um, projects, so uh, not not very much traffic and or noise. Hopefully I answered that question. I yeah, repeat everything over and over. <laughs> so. No, that's good. Thank you. Yep. Any other questions? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, Actually, I didn't answer all your questions. Um, as uh, far as the timeline, it'll be, uh, the winery will, and wine tasting will be open between April to uh, October 31st, and the times will be between uh, 11, 11 to uh, 3 p.m. Okay. Excellent, any other questions? So when the wine's being delivered, I imagine they haven't invented the grape that walks itself to the winery. I imagine there has to be trucks that are delivering this, unloading devices, or is this uh, going to be hand, uh, like pallet jacks? Because I, I guess my envisionment of handling these large barrels would be a rather uh, sizable truck delivering it and a forkload unloading it. Would that be correct? Well, again, with it being a small production, we're, we're talking, um, we're talking 160 liters to 225, uh, one barrel at a time, one barrel at a time. So that's something that if I, you know, purchase a van, I could go get myself. But if it's delivered, which um, we'll be working on getting it delivered, 
uh, nothing like a, a trailer or anything like that that'll be driving up, which we have now, uh, it, well, we used to when we got linens delivered, you know, they had a, a big truck for that. Food delivery, there was a huge truck for that. But we actually cut that off and did everything, um, the shopping by hand. And when I say we, I don't currently work there anymore, but I've been working there for eight years, so I say we a lot. <laughs> but um, the castle, they do have things uh, delivered, which is the wine, but that comes in boxes, and that's usually used by Dolly. And uh, I would guess the same for the uh, barrel, one barrel at a time. Does that answer your question? Uh, yes, and then the alternate supplies, bottles, things of that nature, uh, that would also be moved by a hand truck as opposed to, uh, are there plans of having a forklift on premises essentially to move items, I guess would be uh, the end result in my question. You guys want? No, sir. There will be no uh, forklifts involved. Uh, the capacity or the space that we have for Cottage A isn't that large to begin with. It's big enough to have an office in there and do processing, but nothing that, you know, where, and also storage, but nothing where we'll have a forklift lifting or moving anything. Uh, by the time we get to that point, that's when we'll buy property uh, uh, far away, which like another vineyard, but that's a long time ahead of us. Does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Thank you. I don't understand how, I just need, I, I'm not clear on how you're leasing, how that works. Like how, if they're leasing the property to Francois Moyer, am I saying your name right? Sorry. <laughs> then why do they have to, how are, they, like how is that gonna work? Like is the property owner applying for the use variance or the, like, the lease I will try to do justice to this and uh, Mr. Hill can fill in the gaps. It, so it is, it is leasing of elements of what's on the property for the purpose of this small winemaker license. So it's so, so the it's, property will have the use variance. So so yeah. So the so the the use variance goes with with the property. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. But, but what I'm trying to say is yeah. So the and, and of course that was included in the packet, kind of an outline of what what was included in this this lease arrangement. Um, but that is yeah. So this is just certain elements of what's already on the property that will be utilized for the wine tasting and the small wine making operation that Mr. Hill is going to be managing. Does that, does that make sense? You, you no. Can, you, 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 can, you can lease, you know, space on a property. You're not leasing the entire property per se. It's, it's like it would be, so, so think of it um, like, like the carriage house is a okay. separate structure. Yeah. And that's on the lease. So that little building is, you know, Mr. Hill is essentially, um, you know, has, has use of as well as the wine cave and the patio next to the wine cave. Mm -hmm. So these elements of the Henderson Castle property are, are you know, they, they are, the, the use of them is being, you know, given over to Mr. Hill via the lease for that you know, defined period of time. 
I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not answering. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't understand that, but I guess the property you're going to, the, the property is going to be able to utilize the small winemaker use variance yeah. and then lease it for whatever your own purpose. What's the purpose of bringing the lease issue into it, though? The property to exercise the uh, small winery license. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, Francois Moyer is the president of the Henderson Castle Foundation, so he's also the landlord where he can also uh, uh, write a lease for some of the property. What that does mean, he'll have to forfeit, again, like the Cottage A, which he, uh, he used to use as a bedroom. He'll no longer be able to use that as a bedroom, and he's uh, leasing that to me as uh, office, production area, and also storage. Okay. All right, thank you. Sounds good. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, anything else? All right, thank you. I wanted to add one thing uh, to the families and the neighbors. I do want to work with you guys as far as any, you know, any irritations you guys think can potentially happen or anything that you guys are concerned about. I would love for you guys to have my personal number and also, if you guys would, you know, come and experience a wine tasting, a demonstration, I would love to show you guys the entire process. Uh, if we drink wine in the uh, elements, then we drink some wine. But um, I would like for you guys to come see what, uh, what, what I'm working on. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I will uh, now open the public hearing. Uh, anyone in favor of the request? This is your opportunity to come to the podium and present. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Francois Moyer. I'm the owner and, uh, of the Anderson Castle and president of the Anderson Castle Foundation. <clears throat> so I just want to uh, quickly clarify then this idea of this winery from uh, Drakkar um, is all about to reacquire the ownership of the label of the wine. Based on the law of the great state of Michigan, as a liquor licensee than I have at the castle, I cannot uh, carry a uh, winemaking license. So uh, Mr. Hill, uh, who's been with us for many years, decided to step up and do this activity. So nothing gonna change in terms of impact on the activity of the castle. We are already doing that. The main idea for us, for him to control the new label of the Anderson Castle wine is to be in control of the future of the winery. I don't know if you're familiar with the NSL, the NDA a player, uh, Tony Parker, an example, can be traded tomorrow with another club across the country. He has nothing to say. Well, same thing with wine label. Imperial Beverage used to carry our label four years ago. Uh, my dear friend Joe Secola decided to sell the label as a trade-off uh, for a beer distribution up north. Not a big deal, except uh, Imperial Beverage, one of our local great company, was doing a fantastic job. We was everywhere in Southwest Michigan. When they tried our label with Great Lake Wine Distribution, great company from Detroit, excuse my French, they don't give a damn about the Anderson Castle. So our wine sale went down tremendously. 99% of the job is made in Fen Valley Winery in Fenville. 
And so they are the one who do the wine, distribute the wine. All we do usually in the, the, the fall, we take our grapes, we give it to them, and they mix that with the wine. So as a Frenchman, I like to claim them a little bit of our grapes in the bottle. And so the main idea with the strategy is for Drakkar to be able to promote the wine label or our own and to be in control of the destiny of the wine label. That's how it is. And we are doing a, a deal with a Papa Wine Distribution Sun, Paul Tarkozy. We're going to be distributing the wine and we'll promise to never sell our label to nobody. So basically because of that, uh, Drakkar and Papa Wine Distribution are going to be able to with the help of Fenvalet, the castle is way too small for that, uh, to do like any kind of true manipulation. It's gonna be just like laboratory testing, you know, for say. So very small, it's gonna be really to actually help wine, uh, Fenvalet winery to develop some new wine for us. And so very much experimental. So in terms of the impact on the neighborhood, nothing gonna change, not in terms of how All right. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, anyone else? All right, this is the opportunity. Anyone wishing to speak in opposition, please step up to the podium. You'll have three minutes also. Cooper, I live at 1441 Prospect Hill uh, in a property abutting the uh, uh, 100 Monroe Street to the west. Uh, my neighbors and I have been at several ZBA meetings regarding variances for 100 Monroe Street. Uh, living next door to any commercial activity has not always been peaceful and pleasant. Noise travels, and we are very against the business selling alcohol in any residential neighborhood in Kalamazoo. When we came to other ZBA meetings, we felt that our reasons for keeping our neighborhood residential only were valuable and were correct. And we were correct in saying that the essential character of our neighborhood would be changed by any use variances. I've done a little research this time before coming here. One of the standards for granting a use variance requires the existence of an unnecessary hardship. That hardship that the hardship has not been created by the owner and that the property could not be used for any purposes permitted in that zoning district. The applicant needs to establish that any of the currently allowed uses as permitted by the zoning, right, I can't, I can't see very well here. by zoning rights or through a special use variation are appropriate for the property. Where is the hardship with regard to this building? It can be certainly used as a dwelling unit 
as the applicant leased it as a dwelling unit in 2019. It can also be used as part of the property owner's bed and breakfast, which operates under a use variance, which was granted in 2000. Even the small winery application that Mr. Hill answered to the question on the use variance, does the ordinance deprive the applicant from using the property for permitted use, which is right enjoyed by other property owners in the zone district? He answered no. He had Thank you, sir. Your three minutes are up. The capital was granted in 2000. We knew full well that as a variance when you purchased the property. Also, as a property owner, you failed to seek zoning and a building permit before construction of the line Excuse me. Thank you. Your, your three minutes are up. I'm Dave Morgan. I live at 1442 uh, Prospect Hill, right across from uh, uh, Mr. Cooper and right adjacent to the property in, in question. First of all, I just want to say I have no issue with Mr. Hill. I think it, uh, this is uh, um, me trying to protect my neighborhood and protect my home. A um, couple things, uh, again, I, I do appreciate some of the, what I heard about the sound, but I will tell you when we talk about, and sorry, there's a reverb coming back. Uh, um, we're talking about 30, 35 feet from my bedroom window for that that piece of prop property, the, the um, carriage house. So it's right next to my, my property. Uh, there's, there's no separation, a, a small little fence and that's it. Um, you know, I, I also hear things that, you know, making this a tour destination, I, I think I'm assuming he hopes it's successful and grows and builds. I guess once this variance is approved, where does that leave our neighborhood? It, it, you know, when we moved in here five years ago, we lived in a, we moved, we believe in uh, historical neighborhoods. And we bought this historic home for that particular reason. Where we lived before this in Wisconsin, we had a historic home. And we bought that around college housing. So we had rentals around us. We knew what we were getting into. We knew the parties and things, sound and noise. When we moved here, we, tried to, we wanted to move away from that. We wanted the historic home, but not living around the noise, the parties, and things like that. And, and that's not what the fir my first three years were like. There were fireworks going off. There were loud music. It took. And I know Mr. Cooper dealt with this for many, many years. We were dealing with the first couple years. And I, I, I think Francois, because they made some significant changes in the last year, and the sound has been better, but um, we, it, it's, it's difficult when, er, er, for a time when every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's loud music playing till 10, 10 o'clock in the evening. If, if, if that was a frat house, it would have been shut down in a heartbeat. But because it was a wedding, which we don't want to ruin somebody's wedding, we, we didn't want to go there and disrupt somebody's wedding and their beautiful day and things like that and the reception. But it, it, when your windows are rattling at 10 o'clock at night, three nights a week, it, it's a challenge. And, and I'm just concerned where this is going to lead to, where it's going to go, because every variance leads to something more. And it took 15 years to get the sound issue dealt with. Is it going to take me another 15 years? 
Where does this leave my property values? Where does this leave the value of my home? And, I, and my wife and I have a right to a peaceful existence. And that, that just isn't the case. And again, I, I don't know what the traffic uh, changes might be. And maybe it'll be nothing. But my guess is they want it to be a successful business. They'll want it to build and want it to grow. And so where does it take us from here? This is just a start of what could be. You know, I, I ask you, you know, there, there's got to be other zoned commercial places that something like this can exist in Kalamazoo. This can't be the only place. Why change your residential zoning when commercial could be placed in a commercial district? You know, I think that's a reasonable request. Um, again, it, it is an impact on us. I know that there's a, it says there will be no Thank you. Is there anyone else wishing to speak in opposition? Hearing none, are there any uh, telephone calls? No callers at this time. All right, thanks. Um, Pete, do you have staff comments? Can you give us sort of a procedural history of this? I know this has had variances in the past that were related to this sort of the wine operation, the wine cave. Yes, there, you know, there is history around the wine cave, um, and I, I outlined some of that in the in the staff report. But it was August fourteenth of two thousand fourteen that. Uh, uh, Mr. Moyer was before the board um, for the use variance to utilize the wine cave to conduct wine tasting uh, events and the, the condition tied on that at the time was um, that they could be run from April 1st to October 31st annually uh, from noon to 6 p.m. and I did hear uh, Mr. Hill mentioned a, a you know a variation in timing of, of tastings. So, you know, we should, uh, uh, you know, wherever we end up tonight, um, you know, staff would like a condition that identifies, you know, that time frame in which these wine tastings are gonna go on. Um, but so that was what occurred in 2014. And so with, what Mr. Moyes explained about the, you know, the, the preparing of the wine and the selling of the wine, um, you know, they would like to be able to actually, you know, blend their wine on site and be able to, you know, label, you know, use the Henderson Castle label. Um, so there's a lot of similarities between what was approved in 2014 and what's being talked about tonight. Um, you know, the, the restroom that uh, was required back in 2014 that's in part of the carriage house uh, fits right in with what's proposed here. Um, so there is a public restroom, you know, for those using the wine cave for the wine tastings. Um, so that, you know, can be done separately from the castle and still, you know, meet the code requirements. Um, you know, that's all been looked at by the, the, the building official and the building inspectors as far as, you know, what's, what's proposed for the 
the changes in the um, carriage house uh, with the removal of the bedroom area and you know, creating a space that could be used you know, for the, the small scale blending of the wine and the bottling and the labeling. And uh, I appreciate Mr. Hill speaking to how that process is gonna work, that there, there it doesn't, you know, that this, there's not gonna be you know, a, a conveyor system and mechanized uh, you know, corking of bottles and all that. It's gonna be uh, done at a very small scale so, you know, so that that leads to, you know, why staff is supportive of the request is because of the similarities, the crossover of the use of the of the spaces that are already existing on the Henderson Castle property, the uh, parallel with the, you know, the, the timing of when they would want to do wine tastings that matches up with the, the prior condition that was placed in 2014. Um, you know, speaking to, you know, the uniqueness of the property and uh, one of the neighbors, um, Mr. Cooper uh, touched on this, you know, about, you know, the, what are the special circumstances here? And, you know, looking back at, you know, some of these variances that have been approved over the years, you know, the special circumstance was really the, the you know, adaptive reuse. I mean, the Henderson Castle is unique um, it is 3.2 acres of land. It is a structure that's between nine and 10,000 square feet of floor area. Um, it is, you know, it is, you know, a, a lot, you know, it, it, it's a lot to still be considered, you know, a, a single family dwelling. And uh, therefore, over the years, you know, there have been experiences granted allowing for the bed and breakfast um, events to be allowed on the property for limited periods of time until 10.30 in the evening. And um, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Fran Mr. Moyer added the, the restaurant uh, that was, I wanna say 2011. But there's, there's always been a close look at what's the overlap. There's been, been a lot of talk about parking. And so we, we focus on you know, like, like the conditions, you know, don't allow for the restaurant to be open if there's a, an outdoor reception going on on the, on the premises. So even though there's a lot of different elements to what goes on on the, on the Henderson Castle property, you know, th those um, elements are not all active at the same time. And that's where we get into, you know, the, the use of the wine cave for wine tastings. You know, with that limited hour of operation from, from noon to six or the other variation that uh, Mr. Hill mentioned um, and that only being done during, you know, the warmer months out of the year, um, you know, that is less in conflict with when guests are uh, checking in and checking out of the bed and breakfast. Um, you know, they obviously wouldn't be doing wine tasting events if there was a wedding reception scheduled there. If there was a wedding reception scheduled there, many of those individuals attending that would, would be staying at the Henderson Castle. So you have you have this you know this uh, you know this this overlap that goes on. So 
Um, I, I just wanted to explain that because yes, there is you know a number of use variances that have been approved since 2000 for the premises, and I think it's important to kind of talk about the uh, the other elements. Um, so, other other items to mention. So the ordinance does require you know it, it, one of the criteria is this the minimum action, and you know this is. You know the minimum action needed to allow for Mr. Hill to proceed with you know applying for a license through the Michigan Liquor Control Commission for the the small wine making operation. And why is this you know why does this have to come to the Zoning Board of Appeals for a use variance? You know it's it's really you know it's it's something that's outside the bounds of a home occupation clearly. You know with the Product being brought to the site, you know, and it being blended and bottled on site. So, you know, it is, yes, it is an added use or activity, you know, starting up on the property. And so that is, you know, the reason that, uh, you know, that it was directed to the Zoning Board of Appeals tonight. Um, you know, with, with that, the last item I wanted to mention is just, you know, physical change to the property, you know, there is no physical change resulting from this uh, request that's before the board tonight. The patio will remain the same. The occupancy for the patio will remain the same, which I believe was stated at 25. You know, the wine cave is not changing. So, you know, they are elements that already exist on the premises that are just being utilized for wine tasting specifically by this LLC and uh, you know, allowing for the, the wine made on site to be, uh, to be served you know, at these wine tasting events. So I th think that's all I have to add tonight. But, but like I said, I wanted to reiterate that you know, staff would like a condition for the, you know, those uh, months of the year and the, the time of day so we do have that on the record and staff is supportive of the prior um, condition placed. Um, if I, I think that actually would give the applicant more flexibility if, you know, from that noon to 6 p.m. time, unless there's a reason that 11 o'clock was mentioned. No. Okay, okay, so yeah, so, so it was April 1st to October 31st annually noon to 6 p.m. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, we will now close the public hearing portion of this case and I will ask for a motion on the finding of fact. I move that the finding of facts for 100 Monroe Street shall include all information included in the notice of public hearing dated October 5th, 2022, and the agenda packet staff provided for this request. 49 notices of public hearing were sent, and one response was received, which is as follows. 
Bert and Terry Cooper of 1441 Prospect Hill submitted an email in opposition, and Mr. Dave Morgan of 1442 Prospect Hill spoke in opposition at the Zoning Board of Appeals meeting on October 20th of 2022. Mr. Dracar Hill spoke on behalf of Mr. Francois Molay, the property owner, regarding the small production and education slated to take place in the wine cave. The cave can hold eight to 10 people and the patio 25. They're looking to have wine from Fen Valley, barrels of wine, um, carted in hand, um, excuse me, carted by hand onto the premises, small barrels that Mr. Hill will be self-managing for the uh, wine tasting demonstrations. They're looking to enhance the wine. There will be no um, mechanical processes involved with that. Mr. Hill mentioned that um, the impact on the neighborhood would be a no increase in traffic um, or noise due to the manual processing of the wine in Cottage A. The operation, um, the contingency on that is April 1st through October 31st from noon to 6 p.m. for the wine tasting. There will be no forklifts. Mr. Francois Molay spoke in favor, uh, expressing that they would like to have more control of the winemaking and the distribution process. In opposition, Mr. Cooper mentioned that um, there's some strong feelings or they're, they're against the business of selling alcohol in a residential neighborhood zoned for single family dwellings. Um, some concern was expressed about the use variance changing the character of the neighborhood and the, the string of use variances that have been granted, granted since 2000. Mr. Cooper also questioned and brought up the aspect of the hardship um, criteria for a use variance. Um, specifically, what is the unnecessary hardship um, based on special circumstances or conditions? Um, Mr. Morgan um, mentioned the fact that uh, his bedroom window is 30 to 35 feet from Cottage A and there, there have been some significant issues with loud music, fireworks, um, that have taken approximately 15 years um, working with the property owner and the organization to get that under control. Um, it was mentioned that for uh, 2020, um, there was some improvement in that, that there was um, less sound with the fireworks and the music and things like that. 
Um, staff mentioned that um, with the uh, 2014th use variance that was granted for the, the, um, the wine cave for the wine tasting events and that essentially today um, the only difference is going to be the wine making from those barrels on the premises um, with regard to the patio and the number of people allowed, it's the same, but it's, it's the wine making, the enhancement of that wine and the wine tasting in the cave. Um, it was also mentioned that the property, um, the, the land of that is rather large and not necessarily indicative of a yard or a, a plot that would be in um, a single-family residential neighbor area in the city that there were some uh, special circumstances. I conclude. Thank you. Uh, is there a second to the motion? Second. All right. Uh, any additions or comments on the uh, facts? Hearing none, all those in favor of approval of the motion of finding a fact signify by saying aye. Aye. And opposed, same sign. All right, the motion carries. Uh, and now we will open this up for uh, board discussion. Um, oh, yeah, let's start with the motion. Um, can you make a motion? I make a motion for approval for a variance from provisions of the zoning ordinance um, by Drakkar Hill and West Main Hill LLC for 100 Monroe Street in the residential single dwelling district RS5. The applicant is requesting a use variance from Chapter 4, Section 4.1 to authorize a small winemaking operation in the residentially zoned premises which would utilize the existing carriage house and wine cave. Um, I believe the additional caveat was the April 1st to October 31st, noon to 6 p.m. for the wine tasting. Yep. Okay. And so, so added. Do you want to add anything about the times? Um, it looked like everyone assented to noon to 6. Yeah, noon to 6. Okay. All right, so we have a motion with those two conditions. Is there a second? No. Second. All right. Discussion. I'm sorry, who was the second? Jeremy. Jeremy. One, one thing I'm struggling with is setting aside past use variances with the one that's before us today. And I wanted to ask Mr. Eldridge what procedure, if any, uh, there is for the ZBA to look at past use variances granted and potentially change um, past decisions. Obviously, that's not the issue before us today. I just I wanted to know the, the procedure of if that was something we wish to do in the future. Well, it's, I mean, there, there is not a stated procedure for revisiting variances. I mean, you know, in, in the past, we've had variances with conditions placed, and if those weren't met, you know, the one option would be to return that, uh, you know, that uh, return that case 
to the Zoning Board of Appeals to reconsider the approval that had been granted. Um, but, but short of, of a property owner um, not fulfilling the conditions tied to the variance, I, I'm, I, I do not believe we could proactively bring an approved use variance, for example, back to the board. And I, I will defer to Assistant Assistant Attorney Bear for any other conclusions on this. Well, once the use variance is granted, it runs with the land. Um, there are certain limitations, certainly, on when the board can reconsider. Um, so you're looking at past the next regular meeting. Um, the, the only real way to uh, change that would be a, a new application to change from the use that was granted by the use variance to something else. So it would follow the, the change of use variance procedure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so if so, if a variance is granted and the applicant acts upon that variance, for example, let's go back to 2000. You know, the approval was for a 10-room bed and breakfast. So the applicant has already acted upon that, is running a bed and breakfast. So, you know that you know unless, like I said, unless conditions weren't followed, I don't. I, you know, you know you there wouldn't be a situation involved where variances granted in the past would be revisited, you know, in, unless, like Mr. Bear said, unless another application comes forward to modify that prior variance would be the only other alternative. Okay, I, I understand that. I, I guess for me going, looking at some of the issues that the residents brought up today, um, with noise and having uh, dealt with that for, for 15 years, trying to, to come to a, a resolution with the, the owner of the property. Um, to me, it sends off a, a red flag of, well, maybe not all these review criteria, especially the one um, adversely affecting adjacent land mm -hmm. and a material mm -hmm. potentially in the mm -hmm. past was not decided correctly. Um, so my, my question was, you know, what, what the ZBA can do now um, to, to look at that? Um, and and you've, you've answered that with uh, not a whole lot that we can do. Well, yeah, I mean, the ZBA has the authority to tie conditions to variance approval that are reasonable and related to you know, the, the activities of that variance request. So you're talking about really these nuisance situations of the past, you know, is there a way to rectify that? And, um, you know, I guess most of that is, has been handled in the past through, you know, the, the standard ordinances um, and as, as the app, as the some of the residents mentioned, you know, there's been improvements, you know, to the situations with the noise in the evening hours. And, um, you know, that may be something that we city staff and 
Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety need to continue to work with the neighbors on um, if there's still further issues there. When there are nuisance violations, are they attached to the criteria for like the new use, like, or to the zoning? Tied to the property. To the property and how the yeah. property is zoned? And well, no, I mean, these are general standards. So if you're talking about noise violations, yeah. we have a noise ordinance. So that would be, you know, in violation of the noise ordinance specifically. Okay. So, so really, yeah, so the only, there is a tie back with zoning though, and that is that in the, in the ordinance, you know, there's a lesser decibel level if it's in a residential zone right. district. Right. Yep. So if they're, they have the ability to be at a commercial operation, I mean, like, that's, like, how, how does that work then? So, it, I mean, it is a commercial operation. It is a revenue generating operation. To, to answer that question, how, how is it regulated? Well, in some cases, like, you know, from the building code standpoint, it's still considered a residential use. So but they can't do fireworks. That's just a question. I'm not like what like what are they what are the impediments to their business? Like what are they what are they being held what standards are they being held accountable to? Residential standards or like what's so as far as the fireworks go, they would be allowed to utilize fireworks, you know, in conjunction with what the city ordinance says. I mean, there are there are limited times of year, limited days in which fireworks can be uh, utilized in the city of Kalamazoo, and um, you know, so they would have to be first of all in compliance with you know with those standards. But but it would be yeah, it sounds like it would be even better if there was some communication or notice to the neighbors too. You know, when when they plan to do that. But, but yeah, that would be, again, regulated by city ordinances. Okay. Were you, Jared, were you asking your question, like, so that the proper, so that the bed and breakfast can be, like, what, like, how are they going to be held accountable? Are you, are you, like, how can you clarify your question so I can, Kind of, I don't want to speculate on what you meant. Yeah, so maybe certain conditions that were not thought of at the time, um, reducing the hours, uh, having it so it's not seven days a week. Um, just thinking for the sake of uh, the neighborhood, the feel of the neighborhood, um, if there's any way to change some of those conditions or knowing what we know now, um, be able to amend um, that was kind of the, the those basis. historic those historic okay and, and understanding that that's not the issue before us sure. today of and course you were just asking yeah. yeah I don't want my vote today to reflect on how I feel about yeah past ordinances <coughs> or uh, variances yeah. thank you thank you Jared um, I, I would have to say that I feel the same way and this is um, 
I just have a lot of empathy and a lot of sympathy um, for the neighbors, uh, Mr. Cooper and Mr. Morgan. And you know, the vote today is just very, very uncomfortable for me because when I when I look at the history of everything, um, the ordinances that have been granted, um, to my way of thinking, it you know I've been a longtime resident of here here at Kalamazoo. So at one point, I, I look at the castle, you know, from prior to 2000, and I say, well, it's a good thing it was allowed to be made into a bed and breakfast. A lot of our buildings and areas like that, I, honestly, I'm not quite sure how the castle, the building could be maintained without being a bed and breakfast. And, you know, I'm cool with that. But then when you start looking at the reception venue for 125 people and all of the 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 restaurant and everything that that is coming into that um, and it is a single family um, neighborhood and then I'm very disappointed to hear that the neighbors have been subjected um, to noise and trash and you know I just don't feel that that's being a good neighbor and that that has gone on for 15 years and then suddenly now last year we can say oh well things have died down um, this is just very disconcerting to me and then you know on the other hand then when you get to the end of this it's like well you know, they're looking to handcraft, you know, and enhance wine in the cellar that holds eight to ten people. And, you know, Mr. Algers, would it would it be appropriate now, could I ask um, Mr. Cooper and Mr. Morgan a question, or are we... No, we, I... We're past I, that I point. Have, you know, I have the discretion whether we call people back up, and I don't think that's necessary. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to be in favor of the granting of this variance tonight. As I see this, it's a limited variance before us. It's to authorize a small winemaking operation. And what I heard described uh, was referred to as finishing. Uh, Pete used the word blending. Those two seem similar to me. I heard testimony that wasn't refuted that this is going to not be a giant mechanical operation with a bunch of machines. Things will be done by hand in a room that used to be a bedroom. Um, I think that what's currently permitted under existing variants is the things that could potentially be problematic. And so none of those, in my opinion, are really on the table for us to relitigate tonight. It's already permitted to have wine tastings, which will be a part of this new business. Uh, so the only difference I really see is that this wine finishing will occur. Um, as to um, the concern that this doesn't meet the unnecessary hardship standard, let me read what that standard is. 
there is unnecessary hardship based on special circumstances or conditions that are peculiar to the land or structure for which the use variance is sought that is not applicable to other land or structures in the same zone district. Well, in the same zone district, it, it's residential, right? Um, there have been a series of variances granted. As I see this, I like the word that city staff has used both in its packet and tonight. This is adaptive. Um, businesses change in order to remain viable. They must sort of change. We heard some testimony or, or comments that Imperial Beverage changed ownership and some of the old wine distribution standards are no longer viable. What this allows for, as I understand it, is a labeling change that requires on-site finishing. In order to get the license to do that, it's required to grant an, a variance on top of what was granted in the past. I see that this is entirely consistent with everything that's already permitted. Seems a mere technicality to me that finishing and blending would require this extra step, but they do, so who am I to say that that's wrong? With regard to what I think is, uh, I think all the standards are met on this, but with regard to the one that I think is deserving of the most comment is um, the granting of the variance will not adversely affect adjacent land in a material way. So the only new thing that will happen under this is that finishing and blending in what used to be a bedroom. It will be done without the use of heavy machinery. It will be done by hand. I don't see anything in that that will adversely affect adjacent land in a material way. We'll stick with the same conditions that are already existing with this part of the wine operation. As such, I'm gonna be in favor. Okay, so right here, that aspect of the property, this wine production restroom part, which was historically a bedroom, is right by the property owner's bedroom. So if there is a condition to be made, like I would raise that, are you guys gonna have any wine tasting over here in this facility that's 30 feet away from his bedroom? Can he speak, sir? I'm sorry. <laughs> Board chair, can he? Sp I mean, I don't want to be out of line, but that's you just mentioned that. Right. Like, that's the only aspect, but that aspect needs to be clarified so that we could potentially raise an additional condition, please. Um, yeah, Mr. Hill, you can reiterate what you said earlier. Line will be where the guests will be. Right here. Mr. Chair, yeah, may I offer up one one comment? Um, you know, there has been some questions raised about you know the, the potential for noise nuisance, and as I mentioned, you know, if, if if conditions are not met, a variance can be brought back to this board, so the board could place a second condition on this case that um, you know that this small winemaking license and operation 
um, you know, uh, be, not, not violate the noise ordinance. I didn't say that very eloquently. But if, it, but if it's in there as a condition that it doesn't violate the city's noise ordinance, then if there is, you know, noise-related nuisances reported, that would allow for what Mr. Purdue has referenced as like, how do you bring something back to the board? How do you address it, you know, if it's something that the board grants and then there's difficulties um, that you would like to make right? So... Um, you know, so that that is an option. So we would add a layer of punishment to an ordinance violation that would change the already granted use of the land. It would be specific to what's being granted tonight. If this, if that condition was placed, it would only impact the use variance in front of the board tonight. It would not impact any of the prior uses that have, uh, you know, that have been before the board for approval. Mr. Chairman. Yeah. Certainly, I think a, a condition like that could be added. Um, given the variety of uses there, it's potentially problematic from an enforcement standpoint in determining what use is causing the noise. Right. And it would trigger that. Um, I'm going to bring up something I brought up before. This is a quasi-judicial body. And so similar to a court without the full authority, but like a court, uh, at any particular hearing, you are considering the issues presented uh, to you at that particular hearing. And there is no uh, issue for consideration that's been presented as to prior variances that have been granted. So you're looking at the impact of the particular change or variance that uh, is being requested at this meeting. Uh, Thank you. you okay. So as I see it, there's a motion on the table. Should should those who made it wish to um, add a condition, I think necessary elements of that condition would be who has the burden of proof, what's the standard um, for making that decision. I think that the city of Kalamazoo has noise ordinances. I think it's ill-advised to add a condition that cre creates greater jeopardy greater punishment for violation of existing ordinances within the city of Kalamazoo. But if the people that made the motion would wish to amend that, to add that, you know, maybe. Doesn't seem like a good idea to me. I don't, I don't know how to amend it so that it's not complicated. I don't think you can. I think that would require hours of thought. Well, I mean, like, um, Amend what? The, mo the motion. Like, so that it comes back before the board. But like, you made a point about like, how do you, how do you prove it was this ordinance that, that caused the yeah. noise complaint? So that, that, that's what I'm not sure about. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. Yeah. I hear a reluctance to do so. 
Um, I suggest we leave the motion that as it exists with the two existing conditions on the table. Can, can, someone re can someone reiterate what those two conditions are, please? So the line making operation will run from April 1 through October 31. And the times that tasting and um, customer service portion of this will occur are between 12 and 6. All right, is there any further discussion? Hearing none, let's have a roll call vote. We'll start, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll start with Mr. Turpening. No. Purdue. Yes. Doan. Yes. Lager. Yes. Vandenhamburg. No. Harrington. Yes. The motion passes, thank you. All right, next on the agenda is, we have no discussion or action items. Tonight's meeting is adjourned. Yeah, just, and, and it, as, as we leave here, I just wanna mention, I rolled out the, the 2023 meeting schedule and that was in the packet and also, for everybody's knowledge, Christina Doan, who has served on our board uh, since, I wanna say mid-2019 is when you started as an alternate. Um, is, Feels longer. I can't believe it's been Is going to be long. leaving, yes, this is her last meeting tonight. She is gonna be leaving the board. So we appreciate your years of service very much. And I wish everybody happy holidays. You too. You, you all as well. Christina, what's the magic words? Uh, One moment. One moment, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys all have my email if you ever want to stay in touch. And um, thank you so much for being with me on this Thanks. journey. Or whatever it's been it a pleasure. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Good night. Ooh, it's hot in here. It's just weird. It's really hot. It is really hot. Okay. It's hot and you have a mask. Maybe that was it. No, it's, okay. it's a little warm. This is for you using all the ink way the last time I let you bar. I'll give you a big someday. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I'm going to miss working.